2023. Is that like a reference to something? No. First episode of Hell Money Podcast of 2023. The new year. Aaron, astrologically speaking, what does the new year bring us? What I've been telling people about 2023 is 2023 is the craziest astrology since 2020. Oh, okay. Okay. So, it's crazier or it's not as crazy? Um, I would say it's it's different. Mm. Like, it might be a little crazier in some aspects and a little less crazy in other aspects. Mm. So I think it's it's more like it's going to be like a similar level of like tumultuousness. I mean, so what does it mean specifically for the Hell Money podcast? I think this is what the people want to know. <laughs> for the What's, Hell Money podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2023, astrologically speaking. Where is where's the Hell Money podcast going? I don't know. I kind of feel like um, the Hell Money podcast success is like directly correlated to the price of Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, like the bull run is going to start. The next bull run is going to start. And everybody's going to be like, never heard of Bitcoin before. And yeah. they're going to search for like Bitcoin podcast. And maybe a few people will click to like the second page of Google search results, which mm-hmm. is where like we'll be. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, honestly, maybe we should put Bitcoin in the in the title. I think it detracts overall. I think it detracts. But what about SEO? What about search engine optimization? That's what I'm saying. I think search engine optimization like does not optimize for Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, you, we have like when we're like democracy, capitalism. Well, but then, also like, the search engines like, woo. well, but yeah. So, so if you, if you look at our, you know, YouTube channel, uh, you check out our analytics at how money pod, <laughs> you can go check out our episodes. All, all our episodes are, uh, captured in, in vibrant video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the view count, what Aaron's referring to is that the two episodes that we did, one about democracy, one about capitalism are some of our highest viewed episodes. And so we sort of have a theory that the YouTube algorithm uh, does shadow banning. shadow banning us, doesn't like Bitcoin <laughs> content. But also, those were the two episodes where we wore costumes. Yeah, so it's and hard so to say. It might be the case just that like people love a fabulous vibe. So maybe you know? we need to do a Bitcoin themed episode with costumes <laughs> and would, see what exactly. happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what would we even like? Like one of us could dress up as like gold, you know, no, like that's, and all. Okay. That's, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think it doesn't like I think it should be like a little random. Like I can be yeah. like Genghis Khan and you can be Thomas Jefferson or we can both be like. Okay. <laughs> that, that's a that, Aaron is throwing that on the maybe pile. Um, no, like 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 or like or like or like 14th century century courtiers from like a French yeah. court with like wigs and shit. Oh, yeah. I want to be like a Venetian, like really high class hoe. Yeah, a courtesan. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wearing like a, like back, a corset had, and like a hoop skirt. Yeah, they had fancy words yeah. for hoes back then. You know, like a uh, concubine. Yeah, courtesan. Courtesan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wait, isn't a courtesan just like somebody who's in the court? No, no, no. Courtesan is like the like prostitute that's like intellectual. Oh, okay. So it's somebody who's in the court and they're like, they're giving up that it's ass. Like, it's like the men are discussing like the various geopolitical strategies and then like the courtesans are there and they like might throw in a couple words or like read a poem. Mm, like, and okay. like yeah, Provide uh-huh. some entertainment, do a dance. Uh-huh, whatnot, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Women of culture Women and of culture. art. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we, you know, whatever. Brainstorming for new episodes in 2023. What, what is this episode about, Casey? We still have an intro. Uh, this episode is about when will the next bull market start when will the next bull market start (laughs) so yeah let's 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 little history right we're in the middle of a bear market um i always think the bear market bull market label is a little weird like bitcoin's bitcoin's at 16k 
that's a lot. Like that's a lot. The market cap is like half a trillion dollars. Like that's a lot. I, I, it's still, you know, small for where we all think the potential of Bitcoin goes, but compared to five years ago, you know, six years ago, it's, it's massive. So, um, do you know what the origin of bull versus bear is? I don't know. I don't know. I think bulls just represent, you know, exuberance, charging, investor exuberance, animal spirits. Taurus energy. Yeah. And bears are scary. You know, yeah, right. bears are like, but, but don't bears also like charge and show aggression? Like I would think like snail market or something, you know, like uh, bull market, not, snail market. It's just not threatening enough. You know, the, the, the bad thing needs to be capable of killing you, not like... Right, taking you out. Not just like going along very slowly. Mm. Yeah. What about like snake market? Like it needs to be like a sleeper spider market. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think I actually... <laughs> I, I thought that bull market, bear market was kind of silly, but now that you're giving me some alternatives, like, I'm like, damn, yeah, maybe, stick with maybe bull bear. bear market is okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so, okay, so little... Bitcoin, bull market, bear market history. Bitcoin was first released in early, Genesis block is early 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just Bitcoin's birthday the other day, January 3rd. Nice, yeah. Um, so uh, price, Bitcoin originally didn't have a price, right? It was just released on this like mailing list. Some nerds saw it. Hal Finney ran it. Uh, otherwise, it was super quiet. And... Um, it didn't have a price for a while. It didn't have a price for a long time because things don't just have prices. Prices only really get established as people transact for things, right? Like you can, I was watching a, um, uh, a, uh, a YouTube video about some guys who are in the rare watch trade. And he was saying like, yeah, like, like markets, the price for a watch doesn't establish, doesn't get established until that model of watch trades hands a bunch of times on the secondary market and sort of mm. learn what the price is. Um, so yeah, Bitcoin's price, Bitcoin entered like initial price discovery. The first transaction, I forget when it was, um, was the pizza transaction, which was when somebody bought two, I think, Papa John's pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoin. So was that nine or was that way later? I don't right? think that was way later. Because we- block block nine was the first block that had like a transaction on it, right? Yeah. Let me see. I can look this up. Bitcoin. Fact checking. Yeah. Bitcoin Five. pizza. Transact really exciting for the people at at home listening yeah. to Google. Listening to us just type out loud. Uh Bitcoin Pizza Day. Yeah, it happened in 2010. <clears throat> so So that's like a year later. Yeah, like a year later. Um, which kind of makes sense. That's about right. Yeah. Um, and that was really just like among enthusiasts. Um mm-hmm. and then Bitcoin started to sorry, let me turn off my um let me turn off my phone it's vibrating in my pocket over here he's just getting notification after notification blowing up people just can't stop talking about inscriptions, can't stop talking about inscriptions yeah <laughs> but so yeah so then bitcoin you know the pizza pizza day transaction and then i think it it stayed under a dollar for a while i'm just going to kind of like make this up um right, but go I, for it. yeah i think it stayed under a dollar for a while on how many podcasts yeah it was a big deal when bitcoin reached dollar parity i think that happened in like 2011 or something um, when do you think Dogecoin will re- reach a uh, dollar parity? Dogecoin will never reach dollar parity. <laughs> Doge is a shit coin. Although humorously, like Dogecoin is now a genre of shit coin. I told you, I'm bullish. Like there's Dogecoin, there's like Sheep, Sheep, and then there's Bonk. And like <laughs> literally like dumb dog cryptocurrency is now a genre not just a single like thing. Not There's no longer a single exemplar. It's a category. I think memeability of 
like your brand is important in Absolutely. crypto. Yep. Yep. And I think like, you know, people give Elon a lot of shit for being on Doge and not on Bitcoin, but the man is a meme lord, yep. you know, and that's what he's looking for. Bitcoin the Bitcoin memes are lacking. They are. They're yeah, a little yeah. more esoteric often. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think Bitcoin has a lot of image problems. Like I think that um and, and obviously like I'm a Bitcoin like stan. I think Bitcoin is the best. I want Bitcoin to to win. But I think that some of the design around Bitcoin is a little lacking. I think the name is pretty bad. Like Bitcoin, like that just sounds like fucking lame. If I was gonna, if I was gonna start over, I would name Bitcoin Ethereum. <laughs> like I think Ethereum is a much better name. Um, yeah, I kind of like that Bitcoin's simple. The the thing is, is that I think it does not appeal to people. It's the kind of a name that appeals to like gold bugs and like the hard money people. Sure. And I think that actually you want Bitcoin to have a name that appeals to normies, but properties. Like Doge. No, no, not like Doge, like Ethereum. Like, oh, it's this like magical like thing. It's this magical like internet money, like not like Bitcoin. So you want. I think Bitcoin sticks in your mind more than Ethereum though. I am actually not sure. Well, Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Marketing. What do we know? What do we know? Marketing <laughs> people get at us. But then also a lot of the Bitcoin art I think is terrible. Like the orange bee. Like, the orange is really... I think the orange is fine. I think the problem with the art is that it's self-referential. Is that like yeah. it's just like just like drawing the bee logo in different ways. But... Whatever. Whatever. Um, so you yeah. can't be hating on art when you're launching a Bitcoin art project. Yeah, but the, the ordinals art hopefully won't be so self-referential. Fair. It'll be art for art's sake. It'll be a doge. No, I mean <laughs> probably some doges, a lot of pepes probably. Yeah, we already got I some. I hope so. We already got some on-chain pepes. Oh, thank God. Yeah, thank God. Now it's really this is the beginning of the bull run. <laughs> yeah, this is the on-chain pepes. Yeah. So okay, so then then uh, I think twenty around twenty thirteen, the Bitcoin maybe had some ups and downs. Twenty thirteen, the price was I think around like eighty to ninety dollars, mm. and. Uh, I'm I'm not going to remember this correctly, but then there was the there was this like run up um, to like between 100 and 200, I believe, and then there was the Mount Gox crash, and I think it crashed to above 100, um, and then there was uh, God 2017. I, I'm getting these dates up, but there's been a number of bull runs. I think the previous bull run was up to like I should really look this up, but. Whatever. We've 18K had a f- was like the 2017, 2018 one. That's right. There right? was a t- 2017, 2018. Uh, maybe like 19K or something. Whatever. Around, it was yeah. 18, 19. And then, uh, and then most recently it was 2021 mm-hmm. where we went up to like 69K or something. Hell yeah. Yeah, pretty nice. Doge went up to 69 cents. <sighs> what a fucking trash coin. <laughs> Jesus Christ. When People Bitcoin hits 100K, anything. Doge reaches dollar parity. <laughs> yeah, Doge up. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you don't want to know what the world looks like. <laughs> I, Doge better re- reach like sat parity. That's that's when it's correctly priced is when one Doge equals one sat. Um, so yeah. So and then after that, we had this dramatic decline. And now we're back at 16K. And obviously, everybody's kind of wondering when the next bull market is going to start. When to the moon. Yeah. And I, I think that like these cycles are influenced both by fundamental factors changing and by a narrative developing that people can kind of rally behind that drives the market higher, hmm. right? So there's like the real component of it, like Bitcoin getting more adoption, becoming more useful, becoming more mature. And then there's this like froth component to it, which is just a narrative that people can believe in and causes them to like buy in. I think we've been working with mostly froth. Yeah, there's been a lot of froth. Like 
I mean, I feel like there's validity to institutional adoption and, um, you know, in lightning network type things. But mm-hmm. I feel like in terms of price action, like we really have not seen much con- like actual content. I like I, like when I think about like, you know, people being like, oh, institutions adopting Bitcoin affecting the price. Like the thing that I think of the most is like Elon saying that Tesla was going to buy Bitcoin or accept Bitcoin mm-hmm. for Tesla's, which is still kind of just meme froth. Yeah, I, you think, know? I, I think a lot of the fundamental stuff is very quiet. It's, that's what I mean. You yeah. know, so, for example, like um, one piece of fundamentals that I'd say that's probably influenced previous cycles is like. Hardware wallets getting better, software wallets getting better, mm-hmm. people getting more experience with the protocol, more software engineers being around that can do Bitcoin development, um, you know, people adopting it in very quiet ways, you know, people, individuals using it to move money, individuals between themselves across borders, like, and there hasn't been huge public examples of that, but I think it's kind of slow and it's in the background, you know? Yeah, I could see Whereas the froth is like in your face. Well, I think the difference is probably like adoption versus price action. Like I feel like those sort of technical improvements could increase Bitcoin adoption. Right. And like allow for more like lightning network, whatever, like allow for more people to use it more regularly or easily. Yep. But that doesn't necessarily correlate to price action. Right. right? I feel like price action is, yeah, as I said, like more like frothy kind of like meme stuff it has i i think it has more to do with like uh like interest rates and like what the fed is doing yeah there's a lot to that too yeah and, you know? and bitcoin tends to move with other investments right yeah. it hasn't really proven itself as being very different from other speculative risk on people treat it yeah people treat it like a volatile risky asset that mm-hmm. they buy a yep. lot of when yep. they have lots of you know yep. room for risk yep. basically yeah which was the vibe of 2020 into 2021. Yeah. And I think that that will eventually not be the case. You know, I think that eventually Bitcoin will just kind of decouple from that. But Bitcoin is intended to be a stable, secure, long-term store of value. But it's still in the price discovery phase. It's still in the adoption and the price discovery phase. And so, you know, if you look at, you know, the Bitcoin's price, it's going to have this long period where it's doing price discovery. And then over time, it's just going to shift to the stable store of value uh, kind of asset class, and then it'll sort of have different properties. Right. Yeah. So when does that happen? So I mean, <laughs> let's let's talk about let's talk about narratives for past bull runs. Okay. So like, I think there's like a mini bull run around like twenty. Well, there's the 2017 bull run, mm-hmm. and that was all ICOs. That was yeah. all like ICO shitcoin like froth. Can you give a description of ICO? Yeah, sure. An ICO is an initial coin offering. And so it's just a bunch of like devs, usually VC backed, making a bunch of tokens um, either on Ethereum or on a different um, like public blockchain. And the reason that a lot of those happened is because due to some of the ambiguity. Okay, so when a VC invests in a, in a, in a startup, <clears throat> They, you know, put in their money and they have to wait quite a long time to get their money back. Mm -hmm. The startup needs to find product market fit, develop a product. And, and, and really the big liquidity event is going public, right? When the, when the, when the, when the startup is able to issue stock on public exchanges and then VCs can then like get rid of all their stock on those public exchanges. But, uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, are legally ambiguous and they're sort of not as tied to like one physical company that 
people could kind of arrest. And so a cryptocurrency startup issuing an ICO, instead of the VCs potentially having to wait years for a liquidity event, the VCs can start dumping on retail immediately. Like, so basically, like if you are a VC investing in like a product, let's say, like yeah. you're like, wow, I think that this company that's developing this product yeah. is going to do really well. Yeah. I'm going to invest like $100,000 and maybe I'll see a profit on it in like a couple years or whatever. More than a couple, probably. Right. I mean, like, you know, like five to 10 years. Sure. You know, so that's like the traditional event. kind of that's like right. venture capital yep. investing model. Yep. But then with like crypto, it's just like, I'm going to invest in this and they're going to give me like initial coin offering, right? The, like they're going to the give... VCs even get in before the initial coin. Offering. Okay. So I mean, they get in the pre mine before yeah, the, yeah, ICO. I think you'd call it the pre mine. Okay. Yeah. So initial coin offering is like when the coin goes to be available for people to buy. It's sort of ambiguous, but that's what I would think about. I think there's like a pre mine and then there's the big ICO. Okay. So, yeah. so yeah. So the traditional model, whatever VC invests, the company makes profits. VC eventually sees mm -hmm. some amount of profits, yep. but with crypto land, VC puts in money and yep. gets like pre percent of the like coins you get 30 yep. percent of all of the dogecoin or whatever yep. that's that's been made before anyone can even mine it that's right and yep. then once it launches and like you know people can mine it people can buy it on like coinbase yep. and or a whatever lot of these, a lot of these icos like can't be mined at all they're just right. fully pre-mined and then like the price goes up and then you can just dump so like the the turnover for investment is so so exactly i mean it's a matter of months i yeah. mean it's like it's like vc puts money in ICO happens like two or three months later, maybe maybe even sooner. VC immediately starts dumping right. coins into them, like pumping the price and dumping the coins. And they're just dumping on retail. And the product, the VC can be in and out like before the coin like fails. The coin can right. fail and obviously be completely worthless in like, I don't know, six months to a year. And the VC is already out at massive profit. Right. Yeah. And so. And this is like, you know, when people see like influencers or whatever talking about cryptos, this is like a similar thing, yeah, right? Where totally. like the influencers yep. paid like in some amount of the coin and mm -hmm. then like them marketing the coin yep. to their followers yep. caused yep. it to go up and yep. then they can yep. yeah. dump. Yep. Yep. Is that a Ponzi scheme? Not technically. Well, uh, no, it is not technically a Ponzi scheme. A Ponzi scheme very technically is when. Um, you know, very specifically is when somebody takes investment from investors mm -hmm. and pays out old investors their returns with new money that's coming in. So they claim... So it kind of is. Well, no, not really. I mean... Because uh, uh, what causes the coin dollar amount to go up, right? It's new investors coming in and buying it. Right. But I mean, the coin in that case does have a market price. It's it's not... Like a Ponzi scheme is like is like... I say that I'm selling um, stamps. I have this. I, I I say that I have this business. You give me a dollar, and then later somebody else gives me a dollar, and I promised you a return, and so I pay you back a dollar and twenty five cents with the money that somebody has given me later. It's not like early investors that that there's a thing that has a market price, and early investors just get out before later investors. But I feel like the profit model is like reliant on new people coming in. Yes, right? but that is not what defines a Ponzi scheme. A Ponzi scheme is just more specific. You know, like, sure. like for example, like um, people toss around the word like, oh, it's just a pyramid scheme. Mm. Well, like, no, a pyramid scheme is a very specific kind of multi-level marketing scheme, which has the, you know, it, it's like I give people the right to join the pyramid scheme 
in return for some money and they get the right to get people into the pyramid scheme. Yeah. And so even, even though I would say that like, you know, it's very like Ponzi nomics, it's, it's very, the economics are similar to a Ponzi scheme, just pedantically, it's not a Ponzi. Ponzi nomics. Ponzi nomics. It's Ponzi nomics. Yeah. A lot of Ponzi nomics going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, 2000. So that's 2017, 2018. Yeah, that's the, when we saw like yeah. Bitcoin to 18k. And the, just to just to talk about the incentives here, they're so insidious because for VCs, it's like this golden opportunity, and it incentivizes devs. I think a lot of devs probably who do ICOs, like they're not necessarily, they don't necessarily know that that it's going to wind up losing people a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I think that they might just be working on projects and they see that VCs are willing to invest in a lot of money in ICOs. And they're like, okay, well, VCs like want this. Let me figure out how I can work a token into my product. Um, and, and so I think a lot of devs are maybe like um, not literally scammers. I think there are probably a lot of scammers. It's just... And, but they're incentivized to do this thing. Well, that's it's structurally like if you, let's say you have like some blockchain project, which mm -hmm. already fraught in my opinion, yeah, but whatever. Sure. Yeah. You are making some blockchain project and you're like, well, it doesn't really need to have a token, mm -hmm. but it's like, how else do you raise money? Right. You yeah. have to make a token. Because that's token. just the, that's what VCs are used to and that's yep. what people expect and yep. they want that. They don't actually give a fuck about what project you're working on. Yep. They just want like yep. that fast turnaround. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it, it is interesting. Like, you know, we're sort of like accelerating fiat with crypto. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like fiat on overdrive. Absolutely. It's wild. Yeah. One, one thing that, that's crazy that just struck me is I don't think that literally anything useful came out of the 2017 ICO bull run. Like, I'm just thinking about is there a single thing that is like not clearly useless that is from there, like, I, I literally don't think so. I think it was all dog shit. And it all is like, has the, if you look at the, at the, 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 the price graph of, of mm -hmm. these coins, they all have this like pump and dump. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't think that anything, like literally anything from that run is still around and providing any sort of utility to anybody. I mean, it's really shocking if you think about this, like, Billions and billions of dollars were poured into this, and not a single useful product was delivered. Well, when did Ethereum get? Ethereum in the was scene? older. Ethereum was older. So Ethereum, Ethereum was, like was around, and Ethereum just sort of pumped with kind of like the ICO boom. No, uh, well, yeah, Ethereum pumped with the ICO boom because Ethereum was the vehicle for ICOs. Right. But Ethereum was actually part of this earlier crop, this like 2014 crop of altcoins. Okay, right. That that was there was this 2014 like I'd call like quote unquote old school altcoins, mm. mostly where people just modified Bitcoin a little bit. Um, and Ethereum came out of that era. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe like, <laughs> do you think people bought Bitcoin in 2018 that held on to it until 2020, 2021? I hope so. I hope so. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I, I, a Bitcoin always pumps when these other coins pump because I think that people, you know, People get into Bitcoin and then they're like, they're looking for something else. But I don't think that they abandon Bitcoin because I yeah, think that people think do so. understand that Bitcoin is like a store of value. A lot of people have Bitcoin bags, even if they're also have like shitcoin bags. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then maybe there was some level of like people bought Bitcoin because of that. I hope came so. Out of that. Yeah. So then um, the next bull run was, was it 2019, 2020 or 2020, 2021? 
2021. Yeah. And so that was um, basic. That was the DeFi NFT pump. Mm-hmm. So DeFi. And just like low interest rates, money printing. Sure. Like, I mean, yeah. I really feel like that was COVID relief. Right. Bull run. Right. Stimmy, the stimmy run. The stimmy run. Yeah. yeah. And that was all like DeFi is just a new way to package the same kind of Ponzi-nomics. I mean, not exactly the same, but so the the same way to pa- create something that has that Ponzi-nomic uh, pyramid scheme kind of kind of dynamic mm-hmm. um, in the form of DeFi and like yield farming and like pools and stuff like that. Like, can it, you can you give more of a description than just uh, the buzzwords for those sure, who may not yeah. know what DeFi? So yield farming is where somebody creates an on-chain pool of capital that they pay like yield on in a token. So, so it's like a savings account with interest well, kind of vibe. Yeah, let me let me let me be more descriptive. So like yeah. I'm I create like a billion tokens and then I say, you know, hey, if you put your ethereum, if you lock up this your ethereum in this contract, then I'll start giving you like yield in the, in this token or you you just lock up these tokens in this contract, I'll start giving you yield in this token and uh People are like, if, if the token has some some market value, then people will start depositing the token in this contract to get back more of the token. Mm-hmm. But the the mark the token can't survive all this new being all this new supply being sold. So if enough people like lose faith in the token and like withdraw it from this box and start selling it, like the market price will just be demolished. Mm-hmm. But as long as nobody's doing that, you know, you can get more more you can put more tokens in this box and you're like nominal wealth will be increasing, yeah. but it's all paper wealth, right? If everybody, you and me might think we have a million dollars of this token, but then if we both go to sell on the market, we'll be tanking the price and we'll wind up with far less than a million dollars of, you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum or stablecoin or whatever the, the trading pair is. Yeah. I remember during like 2021 on TikTok, there were so many viral TikToks about like insane, like hundreds thousand percent yep. yield coins yeah, 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 that people would be like yeah. guys check this out get yeah. in it while you can and, and, <laughs> and this is like I, I think it's really interesting this is something that human beings are very susceptible to and have been susceptible to over long periods of time hmm. you know ponzi schemes are they're very hard to People just fall for them a lot get rich quick yeah the know? most striking adva- example that i can think of is that in albania after um, after the fall of the Iron Curtain, um, in like the new sort of Albania, there were these massive Ponzi schemes that formed because people in Albania, I mean, especially at that time, they just thought this was what capital it, capitalism was. They thought that like 25% returns like month over month was just capitalism. And so they put their money into these giant Ponzi schemes. These giant Ponzi schemes, these giant Albanian Ponzi schemes got so large that when they collapsed, they plunged Albania into civil war. That could be us. Literally. They pl- <laughs> like like Ponzi schemes plunged a country into civil war. The the south of the country was in such chaos and like the south of the country like random people had like looted in in the in the chaos that like ensued random people had looted arms from like military bases and armories mm-hmm. in the south of Albania and in the north of Albania they were like the people in the South all have weapons. It's all chaos. We need to let, we need to open up the armories to let people just take guns nice. because otherwise the North will be like the citizens in the North will be overrun by the citizens in the South all because of, of a Ponzi scheme. 
like all because of these massive Ponzi schemes. And one of the one of the people running the Ponzi schemes, it was a it was a woman. I don't I don't remember her name. When they when the when the scheme finally collapsed, they found her like in a dilapidated apartment with like no money. Like she ran it to like the very end. Damn. This like country destroying Ponzi scheme, and she never like got out and like fled the country. See, that could have been Sam Bankman Freed if he had just held on for a little bit longer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that actually kind of is Sam Bankman Freed right now. Yeah, I mean, he didn't make yeah. it. But it's like, you know, how many Americans actually used FTX and like lost their wealth? Not nearly enough to plunge us into civil war. Yeah. So next Good job time. with your effective altruism, SPF. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and then the other thing that kind of uh, contributed, I think, was NFTs. Like people got kind of hyped on NFTs and there was yeah. a lot of... I feel like NFTs really like that was that was like the influencer bubble as well is like right. a lot of like c- celebrities influencers artists whatever were re- like releasing nfts and people were like this is a way that i can get involved because art speaks to me more than just like bleep bloop crypto totally yeah yeah i mean there, i think there's something nfts are very accessible you don't really need to understand anything and you can see like people have them as your profile pictures yeah like whatever yeah. it's yeah. like i think just like the pictures really the jpegs the jpegs people really love takes JPEGs. it to a new level i mean humans are really visual we're very much visual creatures mm-hmm. and so if something is purely conceptual like DeFi, um it doesn't really connect with normies but if it has a visual component if they're like oh it's a thing i can see it i can imagine it being an object that really uh connects with people to what extent do you think DeFi is like a part of the 2020 2021 bubble oh i think a huge part of it like but why Oh, because it gave, it gave people Ponzi-nomics. All of a sudden, there were these new Ponzi schemes for people to participate in. You just mean because there were new tokens, new projects? Like, what do you mean? New what t- is it about DeFi? DeFi, is, it's, it's this yield farming thing. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to... I'm the bu- yield farming. Yeah, it's, it's a combination of right. I'm going to make an ICO and I'm going to create this Ponzi-like scheme to uh, get people... get retail incentivized to, to buy into that does it. make sense because i feel like when i was first getting into like crypto um i remember like a cardano bro really sold me on cardano because he was like we're gonna make our own stake pool and like we're gonna have like decentralized banking in our mm. communities on yep. cardano and like yep. we're gonna do this in africa you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i think yeah fucking africans are gonna be like opening up their cardano wallet like yeah, yeah. fucking break i bro. feel like DeFi definitely with the yield farming and the kind of like um yeah the decentralized finance like we're gonna like start a new financial system like that kind of rhetoric definitely drew me in and then it just like took me a while to realize like that was bitcoin right like the answer to that path yeah Yeah. but i definitely can see i think i think DeFi, um like that sort of like moral framework around DeFi Mm -hmm. drew in a lot of like devs that wanted to do good in the world but didn't feel like, like you know people that were like this is a way for me to change the world yeah. in the positive yeah that i can actually do something yeah that's you right know? yeah so like, i think there was like i don't know if DeFi, like if that sort of rhetoric around DeFi brought in retail investors like i don't think people were necessarily investing in DeFi because they thought it was this like world changing thing but i think there were probably a lot of people who worked on it that wouldn't it, have worked on yeah. another crypto had they not been sold this narrative of like we're gonna turn things around in the right. third world with our decentralized finance yield pools. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And like, even if something isn't the primary motivating factor, it always helps if people can believe that they're doing good. Like morally justify. Yeah. Yeah. Morally justified saving, saving Africans, like mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when moon, when moon, I don't know. So <laughs> narrative, potential narratives for next bull run 
Um, obviously, uh, inscriptions. Inscriptions is number one. Inscriptions is number one. Yeah, inscriptions are, you know, the ordinal project's uh, way of essentially doing NFTs on Bitcoin. Right. Although I hate the term NFTs, so I refer to them as digital artifacts. I actually don't know how much inscriptions will have the same properties as NFTs because they're very much focused on art and they're actually very expensive to create. Like you can't actually just mint a whole bunch of inscriptions out of nothing because mm -hmm. you have to pay transaction fees, non-trivial fees on every single inscription that you create. Sure. Um, so I don't like it, they don't have and ev all the art has to be on chain. And so you don't have this thing that with a single single Ethereum transaction that you that pay that you, you pay like 10 to 50 dollars for you mint an entire collection of 10,000 JPEGs like that same action using inscriptions on Bitcoin would cost the minter like thousands of dollars. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't have the same pump and dump kind of thing. Obviously there will so be. So are some... you telling me inscriptions won't be responsible for the next four? Months? Listen, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm, I don't know what I'm saying. They, they kind of have mixed properties, right? Because on the one hand, like they're expensive to issue and they don't have the same ability to do super large collections that other, that, 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 normal nfts can do but they are much cooler and i think the actual use case is much more like honest i mean it's really much more focused on on cool on-chain art and allowing devs and artists to make cool interesting things so who knows i think it's probably like more honest to what artists think they're doing with nfts in the sense that they're like oh i'm creating this like art that will exist forever and right. like like no one can whatever you own it and yep. that's proof that you own it and yep. there it is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. well actually no yeah. it's like I, not really like that in most nft cases but yeah. with inscriptions it's like literally there yeah i think maybe the way that it could help the narrative for the next bull run is just people being like look bitcoin has nfts like and and this so and there's been a narrative for a long time that i think is mostly true where people have said hey any really useful thing that another cryptocurrency does that an altcoin does Bitcoin will will figure out how to do it on Bitcoin and we'll just adopt it and we'll mm -hmm. do it better. And I think that inscriptions is a really good example of that. People right. want NFTs. Inscriptions are the absolute best version of NFTs possible on Bitcoin. And I think there's other things. So like, for example, um, the Lightning Network is another example. People want fast payments, mm -hmm. right? There are other altcoins that achieve this by very big blocks and very fast block times. Um and the Lightning Network does that for Bitcoin in a better way, in a much better, much more scalable way. Right. Um, another example, so the Lightning Network and adoption of the Lightning Network, I, I honestly think could absolutely be huge for the next bull run. Like yeah. if the Lightning Network starts to, I feel like there will be an inflection point with the Lightning Network where before that inflection point, it's not really that useful. It's not really that practical. And after that inflection point, all of a sudden it reaches that ease of use where all of a sudden people are like oh shit this is actually way better than all my other options for payment and think, it'll just go ham i think that the lightning network like that sort of like you know as i said before the things that make it easier to adopt and to use mm -hmm. i don't think that that's going to be what like causes a pump i think that's going to be what like sustains like after a pump. like i think like oh i don't know what if you get some big names who are like oh yeah by the way we we accept lightning now and it's just another one of our payment 
mechanisms and it's like no big deal. Maybe, but what's the reason? I think the reason why like institutions or whatever would want to do that is because like, oh my God, this Bitcoin thing is worth so much money. We need to like make sure that we're allowing people to pay us in Bitcoin. Mm. And then if that's easy for them to do because like the infrastructure is there and they just kind of need to like plug in basically, Mm -hmm. then I think that's where you sustain. But I, I think the reason why institutions will adopt Bitcoin is because they think it'll be profitable for them. Sure. And I think yeah. that comes after a pump yeah. personally. Un- unclear. I mean, like, you know, I mean, there could be some smart institutions that are like, Oh, we should get in now, blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I don't think with, with that, I'm not really thinking of with lightning adoption. I'm not really thinking of institutions. I'm thinking of, of like random merchants. Still, and, like, I, I think it's the same dynamic where it's like people want Bitcoin when Bitcoin is high. Just generally. Oh, but the thing about lightning is that um, lightning is also a payments technology. Mm -hmm. And so if it has strong advantages over other payments technologies, speed, um, low fees, um, convenience. But not if you think. Uncensorability. Not if you think that what you're getting paid in is not worth. Uh, No, because if you you just trade out, like you you don't necessarily need to make a long-term bet on the direction of Bitcoin. Sure. I can be like, I'm going to get Bitcoin and Lightning and then maybe I'm going to buy something else. I, I don't plan on holding it for very long, but as long as it holds the value that I receive for mm-hmm. at least a little bit, it can be way better than the other payment technologies. You don't need to have a bet on Bitcoin. I mean, and it's independent of the price of Bitcoin, right? Because if I charge somebody $10 and I got $10 worth of Bitcoin, it doesn't actually matter to me how much it is. How how, yeah. how many Bitcoin that is. I mean, maybe, you know, something like Square, which like so many merchants use Square, right, for their payments. Like if Square makes it easy to accept payments in Bitcoin over the Lightning Network and mm-hmm. also easy to like, you know, make it so that like maybe only a percentage is Bitcoin and then a percentage is dollars, like whatever it is like that helps ease people, merchants into it. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I could see that. I just don't think that that's going to be like a narrative that really like changes things right yeah i mean you know yeah i don't know i mean like yeah i think that's the narrative that like makes it happen after the narrative like to me i feel like the narrative is is going to be more like political financial system collapsing yeah Yeah, which brings low interest rates money printing all of that again so so like yeah no i think that i think you're right like i think the big narratives are going to be um institutional adoption like pension funds buying it central banks buying it yeah like big players Countries adopting com- it yeah like i don't know if country adoption is like the next thing yeah. but i think if like people were like all right this is like a you know potentially something that can go up and is starting to have like store value kind of properties and sort of in this unique asset class where they sort of feel confident that it's going to maintain some of its value and then maybe go up a lot. I can also see like, I think with like central bank digital currencies emerging, Mm -hmm. I can see that like being like Bitcoin is the alternative. Yeah. Like if people get their CB, CD, CBDC. Yeah. Yeah. Then CCCP (laughs) DC. (laughs) There's CCP DC. I think like, if there's like a particularly like paranoid narrative around that, that also could increase adoption of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Like if people are getting their central bank digital currencies and they're like, well, damn, all of my transactions are now going to be monitored by the government. Mm-hmm. I could see something like that fueling adoption of Bitcoin. Right. Or yep. Monero or whatever, you know, yeah. like it's, yeah. I'm not saying it'll point <clears throat> perfectly in the right direction, but I think like Monero's not going to make it no, strong I mean, NGMI vibes. Obviously Just NGMI, say. but I think like, I think it's like political and societal circumstances that 
cause people to look for something else or to mm. like look out like look into right. like a future cryptocurrency world what, you mm-hmm. know like i think there need to be dynamics that create desire in people to want to like own this thing mm-hmm. and i don't think that that is like as simple as like the, maybe like the micro economics of just like ease of purchase like i i don't know i feel like you definitely are more of like a micro econ person of just like oh well if the trade-off for this is easier than the trade-off for this then like people are just going to adopt that and then that's good like i think that that increases adoption i don't know that that increases price action like i don't know if that's bull run yeah it's it's like it's like yeah people do adopt things when the trade-offs are better but at the same time um they also need to know about it. Yeah. There needs to be something that causes them to look to for care, it. To care, yeah, to care, to like to change. Because also changing currencies, especially for like Americans, very is hard. like so yeah. crazy. I them. don't think that people, I think a lot of Bitcoiners don't understand how sticky currencies are. Yeah. Like with Bitcoin's um, store of value use case, there the network effect is, is, is not huge. Mm-hmm. You can use Bitcoin as a store of value. And if other people don't, well, when you want to buy Bitcoin, you just trade dollars for Bitcoin. And when you want to spend Bitcoin, you just, you trade Bitcoin for dollars and then you spend those dollars. Yeah. But for Bitcoin as a payment technology, uh, the network effect is huge. If, if the stores that you don't want to, that you want to spend at uh, don't accept Bitcoin, then you can't use it as a payment technology. Right. Whereas you can independently adopt Bitcoin as a store of value. So yeah, I think store of value will become, will come at least to Americans before. Absolutely. Payment. I yep. mean, that's like the case for us, right? Like, yep. you know, sometimes like I ask you to pay me back in Bitcoin or vice versa. And we're like, um, I'd rather hold on to my wealth. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, I, I, I just, I will pay anybody in Bitcoin because if I, true, if I give them will. dollars, that just means that I have to sp- sell Bitcoin to get more dollars. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, I think like for Americans that have like a relatively stable currency, it's just not as pressing. Yep. Whereas totally. like if your currency is more volatile than the price of Bitcoin, then sure. Why yep. not use Bitcoin as a yep. payment? Yep. Yep. Um, but I feel like for Americans, especially cause Americans also have like more wealth on hand to think mm-hmm. about, like how do I retain this? And like housing is so fucking chaotic that mm-hmm. like you can't really buy other assets as easily. Yep. I do think like, yeah, Bitcoin as like an investment asset and store of wealth is something that will, yeah. but that again, it's like, that is hype. Yep. You know, that's all hype. Yeah. Bitcoin DeFi or... Actually, Bit- that, that's not necessarily true because I think if your institution that you have your retirement account with, your investment account with, whatever, allows you to buy Bitcoin, mm-hmm. that also increases. Right. Like price, like trading. Like yeah. if, if hedge funds can trade Bitcoin more and they can trade in your pension fund or in your retirement account... <coughs> There's a little water down the wrong pipe. <laughs> a little fiat moment over here. A little fiat, so fiat. Yeah, wait, I didn't even get my vape. You haven't been vaping at all. Oh, yeah, it's true. <coughs> it's like vapes out at 45 minutes. <laughs> it's vape day. Mm, yeah, vape day. Happy vape day, everybody. Happy vape By day. the way, Sunday is vape day. Yeah. When we're, we got our Sunday coffee and vape. Yeah, once a week is a, is a good schedule to engage in vices. Except that you don't get the buzz you used to get. No, not anymore. I got to start smoking crack or something. <laughs> it's going to be crack day next Sunday. Um, a gateway drug. One, one other thing that could be interesting for narrative and adoption is Bitcoin-based finance. Um, I don't know how Bitcoin, like, not necessarily DeFi, but Bitcoin is, like, a useful tool for finance if you want to, like, 
you know, lend, you want to borrow, you want to use it as a, as a, as collateral. Um, I think it requires more price stability than we have now because a very volatile asset mm-hmm. is less useful in, in finance. But if it maybe gets a little bit more stable, if maybe there are some stable coins, that are very easy to swap for Bitcoin. Like, I don't know if tarot brings tether to the lightning network, then maybe, you know, that would be a way that I don't know. You could don't have, get Mark Goodwin. You know, yeah, Mark know. Goodwin would hate to hear this. No, that's you. this is all Mark Goodwin's like thesis. I know, that. but he's like, this is bad. He's like, this is going to happen, and this is bad. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I I'm, I'm I'm uncertain whether about whether it would be bad or not. Um, but then maybe also like um, DLCs, discrete log log contracts, which are a way of doing certain kinds of like options and futures on mm-hmm. Bitcoin. Um, maybe there could be some of that. Um, but the problem is that unless you, that stuff won't really have Ponzi-nomics because it doesn't have these tokens minted out of nowhere. So mm-hmm. it, it actually has to be useful for people to use it. And it won't just be like a, a huge, like frothy boom, like Bitcoin DLCs. A huge frothy boom. Yeah, a huge <laughs> all over your fucking face. Um, <laughs> like there isn't going to be that kind of crazy hype over DLCs without anybody actually using it mm. because it doesn't have that like Ponzi like nature, but sure. you know, maybe who knows? Astrologically speaking. Yeah. Let's get into, let's get into the the <laughs> stars. Yeah. How does the, listen, let's talk about everybody. When people talk about Bitcoin price action, they talk about going to the moon. Okay. What is the moon? Like, you know, how does the moon play into this? You know, well, the common, moon trading strategy like people use the moon for trading mostly i mean the moon cycle is 28 days so it's not that long in terms of like like predicting long-term price action Uh but the general idea is like a new moon is a local top and a full moon is a local bottom that's like Marin altman's whole Mm -hmm. thing like crypto astrology girl yep um but i mean I think the moon is is good for like trading, but I don't think it's going to indicate. I think really like it's Aquarius stuff that's mm-hmm. indicating Bitcoin price action. Like the 2020 2021 bull run, all of those run-ups were correlated to Jupiter in Aquarius, mm-hmm. which is not going to happen again for 12 years. Mm-hmm. 2032. Mm-hmm. Um but we have other Aquarius movements, namely Pluto entering mm-hmm. Aquarius for the first time in 2023, mm-hmm. which is like Pluto and Aquarius is, I think at the beginning of the episode, I said 2023, crazier astrology mm-hmm. than 2021, 2022. 2020 is probably its like closest analog in terms of crazy astrology. And the main reason for that is that Pluto enters Aquarius this year. Okay. Um, Pluto is slow. Yeah. Like Pluto's what's the, the furthest one out. So yeah. Pluto takes 248 years to get the whole way around. Has, so now that Pluto is like not thought to be a planet, obviously this was a very like fiat determination. Does that affect the astrological status of Pluto at all? No, because people use... So Pluto is a minor planet, technically, like hmm. astronomically. Okay. That was the demotion is basically like, well, if you want to like not include all these other right, minor planets right. as a part of the planets, then you kind of have to demote Pluto. I see. I see. And um, what are those other minor planets? Those are other like objects that are way out yeah, there. That like, are, they're, they, they haven't cleared their orbit is the main thing, right? They exist in these giant debris fields. 
Is isn't that it? That yeah, Pluto hasn't cleared its orbit. It is, and like Pluto's moon Charon is also like kind of a similar size, and they sort of have like a co-orbit situation. So like Pluto seems to be the primary body, but like Charon is also like pretty big. Like I see. it's just kind of it, it's still a gray area, I would yeah, say. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that like astrologers do look at minor bodies. Like astrologers look at asteroids. Like I mm. care a lot about asteroid astrology. So to me, mm. it's like I don't. Like kind Aren't of asteroids just kind of like the shit coins of astrology. Um, asteroids are more like, uh, they have more like particular, um, mythology. I would say like the, the asteroids and their mythological associations are much more important because they're not like gods in the state. They're more like demigods and like whatever, mm. like, I don't know if shit coin is the fair okay. comparison. It's like minor players. Got it. Got um, it. So like, you know, if, if Pluto is like a minor player, like I still, you know, Chiron is an asteroid that I use a lot astrologically. Mm. Like I use Pluto more than Chiron. I think Pluto has like a stronger effect. Um, but like if Pluto's a minor planet, like that doesn't really disturb mm. me. Okay. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't mind that. Um, I am interested to see big planet nine discovery out in the outer solar system someday. I do think that's going to happen in our lifetime. Oh really? Yeah. But like, but, uh, how just astronomically speaking, how would we have missed it so far? Because it's so far out that it's really hard to see. Um, like but it's, wouldn't it's, it, but, but, but even if it was far out, wouldn't it catch light from the sun and then we would see it because of the sometimes, effect? sometimes. So like basically, so the, so the same guy that demoted Pluto also is the guy who believes he will discover planet nine, oh, the interesting. true planet, the nine. true planet nine. I see, I see, I see, I see. Uh-huh. Also my advisor's first graduate student. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, the lineage, the lineage is strong with uh-huh. me now being a planet nine astrologer. Um, but basically like from orbits of like bodies in the outer solar system, it seems like there is a giant planet really, really far out so far out that it would be very hard to see. And like based on our current estimates of its orbit, it would spend 15% of its time in a part of its orbit that like we couldn't possibly see with our current technology. 15% of its time, but then it's spending 85% of its time in a place that we sure, could see it. But it could be in its 15% right now. Like oh, we don't know you where mean it the is. Orbit is so slow. Yeah, that it's it, so for far the, out for the entire time that we've been observing. Been able to see anything. Uh, interesting. Right. So interesting. It, it could be in that period of time. Like it would spend. So, but like, like how how realistic is this? Is this like a I fringe think it thing? No, no, I think it exists. Okay. Yeah. But like, does it really exist? Like, yeah, I think a lot of people think it exists. Okay, what's the evidence for it? Uh, the orbits of smaller objects that orbit around the sun that have weird orbits that can't be explained for anything other than like a larger body that are pulling them out. Interesting. Something big has to be out there in the outer solar system. How, that's how pulling big, these things. How, like in terms of our existing planets, where big, would it be? Like really big. We don't know exactly. Not like gas giant. We don't know. Like that's the thing. Like we know that it has like a strong gravitational pull, but what it's actually made of or how big it is, like Damn. we don't really know. That but would be so sick. It's That'd gonna be happen. so sick it's if we found happen. a tenth planet, like, and that would be so dramatic. Like, imagine, like, it's in its fifteen percent of its time that it can't be seen by the sun, and then it just comes out, just fucking cruises out behind Sol, this like new fucking new fucking thing. Yeah, man, that'd be sick. Yeah. So, why did I bring this up? Oh, because Pluto. But it's definitely if it was there, it was it would definitely be a planet, not like a star. Planet. Yeah. yeah okay. Not a star. Because that'd be even... if it was a star, we could see it. It'd produce its own light. Uh, but if it was behind the sun. We go behind the sun. 
Then why can't we see the planet behind the sun? It's not that it's behind the sun. <laughs> okay, think about like think about like the the dynamics of an orbit. Like we're going around the sun all the time. Uh-huh. Nothing is like behind the sun for longer than an Earth year for us. Uh huh. Okay. It's the problem is that like if you're at the furthest point away in your orbit, because all orbits are like ellipses, right? They're not perfect circles. So if you're at apogee, which is like the furthest part of your orbit away from the sun, it's just far enough away that we can't see the reflected sunlight off of it using our current technology. The way that we see planets is reflected sunlight. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So if it's far enough away and the reflected sunlight is dim enough, we're not going to see it. I see. So okay. if it's in that 15%, like kind of like around the... Oh, so you're not talking... I was like, I was like, oh, for 15% of the time, the sun is between... No, because we go around the sun. So we would listen, see all right, it. Listen, <laughs> I'm, I'm not an astronomer. Yeah. Okay, listen. So, but okay, I get it. So it's it's the apogee. You've got this like large, like oblong, like orbit. And the apogee is when it's really far away. Exactly. And if it's in this really far away part, the, the light would be it. so faint. But yeah. doesn't that mean that like... Like um, an increase in the sensitivity of our telescopes or we just point like one, like the James Webb, right? Mm-hmm. Presumably, like that can see super distant objects, very faint objects. But the way that it sees it is it's either seeing stars, uh-huh. which produce their own light, or it's seeing like planets transiting stars, going in front of stars, that kind of thing. But like but, the way that it sees but, is But wouldn't still... it be able to possibly see some very dimly reflected... So right? that's, I mean, that that's but then, the but, 15%. But also the James Webb te- telescope, it has a very narrow field of view. The 15% is based on James Webb estimates. Interesting. Um, And I mean, they have like the group that's looking for planet nine, like they have time on James Webb looking for it. Like they're going to find it. I think, I think they're going to sick. It's going to happen. What are we going to call it? I don't know. Mm. I don't know, dude. Yeah. But yeah, that astrology is going to be fucking dope. Can't wait for, I want to be the first planet nine astrologer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get Hence break, the name of my ground. astrology brand, Planet Nine Astrology. <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't even realize that. I just thought it was like, oh, something. Yeah. No, yeah, that's why. There's that's a, fine. there's like a good, there's like a, un, there's like a jujitsu, uh, gym, by this guy named Eddie Bravo, who's the like head head coach. I know him from Joe Rogan. Yeah, it's called Tenth Planet Jujitsu. Mm. Yeah. So, but now it's really like a well, the name Ninth Planet Jujitsu. The name like oscillates between being Planet Nine and Planet X, much like how the iPhone just went from like iPhone Eight to like iPhone X. Uh-huh. Like they just skipped Nine. Yeah. Like it, it might become Planet X, not Planet Nine. That wouldn't make any sense. But that's like it kind of numeral like if you look at numerology it kind of makes sense yeah. people like to skip over the ninth part of like the completion cycle so and this thing is way outside of the habitable zone so it's gonna oh, yeah. be i mean it's every, gonna be like, a cold dead kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. it's not gonna like have a civilization on are it. there any conditions under which it could have i mean like it could it have like a very thick atmosphere that causes it's it probably to retain ice. heat it's past the ice line Okay. Which is what the gas giants are. The ga- the reason why the gas giants are like gas giants is because it's past like the ice line where like things that would normally be like gas liquid are ice. I thought that the gas giants were just gas giants because of their size. That when you got above a certain size, they got to be gas giants. I mean, it's like it's it's like also it's it's kind of hard to say. Jupiter's a rare planet in terms of like the position. Most most solar systems have a Jupiter, mm-hmm. um, but most solar system Jupiters are not where our Jupiter is. Wait, so wh- why are planets gas giants and some some planets are gas giants and some planets aren't? It's many things, but a lot of it has to do with the ice line. Like when do things get so cold that they become ice and then they can like come together as like gas giant is is still like 
Oh, I think I kind of see what you're saying, like right? Because like w- matter has three phases, yeah. right? Solid, liquid, and gas. Mm-hmm. And if you take a gas giant and you just move it out further, eventually you're going to move it past the point where all that gas. matter, all that gas at the, 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 the pressure is going to stay the same, right? And the temperature okay. is going to drop. So eventually you're going to drop it below the phase where it then becomes liquid. And then presumably because it's cold, it's, the liquid it's, phase is really small. That's the habitable zone. I see. Earth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so this, like, but but this thing, the, the, these these are not water, and the habitable zone re- re- specifically refers to where Jupiter you has water. water. Well, maybe. Well, it's like questionable. Interesting. Okay. Um, okay. But there's a lot of water for in the some, outer solar system. For some system. reason, I just thought. I mean, obviously, kind of stupidly, that oh yeah, when a planet gets big enough, it becomes a gas giant. No, it has it has more to do. Well, it's com- it, it has more to do with temperature. Got it. Like if you can imagine, like you have like uh, gas or liquid water or helium or like whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy to amass that into like a planetary body th- than if you have ice, like ice can like stick together and like coalesce. Oh, right, so right, right, right. It also affects planet formation. Exactly. Got so past, it, got if you're it. past the ice line, it's much easier to form really giant planets because ice is going to like collect together easier than like gas. Otherwise you might have in that orbit, just a bunch of gas right it's like you have a solid it's not gonna accrete exactly right you could have the same amount of mass in that orbit and it's just not gonna accrete there's other complex like there's other complicated factors but that's a big part of it is the ice line shit is wild man shit's wild so it's like the 10th planet let's fucking go yeah let's go yeah i'm I'm into it that'd be very exciting like Mm -hmm. sometimes i feel like that's the next bull run that's the next bull run 10th planet yeah yeah yeah. 10th planet it's got a big fucking orange bee on it yeah (laughs) i feel like i i really like i feel like as i've gotten older uh, an unfortunate side effect of getting older is that I feel like my level of mystery, the the level of like mystery and wonder I feel about the world has decreased because I think that's also like the time right now. Like I think like, I think you it's, think it's just getting I think, older. I think, I think it's the massive part of it is, is being older because when I was a kid, when I was like seven or eight, you know, I thought that like there was a good chance that maybe there was some way you could become a magician like an actually like wield magical powers or maybe God would turn out to be real, you know, mm-hmm. or like some, like there would be weird, like spiritual forces or, you know, when I imagined other countries, I didn't quite know what was in those countries. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm older, I'm like, okay, well I've been to a lot of countries, so I kind of know what's in them. And if I go to a new country, it's probably not going to be completely insane and I'm like pretty solidly an atheist. Like all these things that used to be unknowns have sort of coalesced. Sure. And it's nice to understand the world. There are other benefits to understanding the world. But at the same time, my the level mystery. of the mystery has gone way down. Yeah. But the possibility of a ninth planet, even though it's probably just some fucking hunk of rock out there, definitely is like a has a level of mystery, of a level of childlike wonder. Where it's mm-hmm. like that's so cool. Like I wonder what it looks like. I wonder what color it is. Like I wonder like when it formed, like what its composition is like, well, if it's in the ice zone, like, isn't it true that, uh, well, you could have like liquid ice below the surface. Yeah. That'd be pretty rare though. Like uh, way out there with a planet of that size. Well, it's moons. Well, I mean, mostly like where we see the liquid beneath the ice is moons of gas giants rather than the gas. Although we have no fucking clue. Like what is going on under the gas giants? Yeah. That's interesting. You know, we, we, we know, but it's so high it's pressure that little. like, yeah, but we just don't know. Like yeah. it's really hard. Like once you get into like high pressure physics, it's like really, 
it's difficult to like rep like you can kind of replicate it in a lab mm. you know but yeah. it's just it's difficult yeah. to do yeah, yeah you yeah. know yeah um i like that we just like brought up the vapes <laughs> and totally changed vibes. i think that i think that that is our that is our that is our big prediction is the next bull run will start when we discover when we discover that fucking planet in the pla- outer solar system. planet x will yeah. trigger the animal spirits in the markets hyper bitcoinization mm-hmm. yeah honestly it could happen i mean so my sort of like astrological take on the bull run Whoa. is i think we're going to see like some weirdness from March to June, 2023. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying bull run. Like I'm not saying like it could be fucking terrible. Like, I don't know, but I think Pluto entering Aquarius just for that, like tiny little blip of time from March to June, 2023, literally your birthday mm-hmm. through like beginning to mid June. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see like a lot of craziness, mm-hmm. um, which could be a pump. I don't know. Mm. Then I think we're going to go back to like what we have right now, just sort of like sideways action, like whatever the fuck. And then I think it's not till 2024, once Pluto actually enters Aquarius for real, that we're going to get like another bull run. But then I think like we're going to have to wait till 2032 with like Jupiter and Aquarius and like with the Saturn Uranus cycles that I talked about in the astrology of Bitcoin episode, like way mm-hmm. back when. Yep. I think in terms of like hyper Bitcoinization vibes, we're not going to get that till 2032. Mm-hmm. And like 2032, I'm not even saying we're seeing hyper Bitcoinization, but I think like in terms of that like threshold that Bitcoiners look for, yeah. I don't think we're going to get that till 2032. Yeah, but I, I think 2032 looks good for it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that hyper Bitcoinization is like going to take a while, you know. Um, but yeah, we might get like two or three bull runs before hyper Bitcoinization. Yeah, you know? for various weird yeah. reasons. And yeah. the bull runs are going to get less exciting as Bitcoin like starts going into like it. it I mean, it's it's unclear will will the bull runs be less dramatic, mm-hmm. or will Bitcoin because Bitcoin is like becoming more established, harder to move the price, or will will we get a point where yeah, it does start to get established, but then. At that point, it, it kind of becomes clear to people all of a sudden, like, this is going to be the next world currency. This is it. That's and, what I th- and then we get a crazy fucking spike. That's what I'm saying. I think 2032 yeah. is, like, sort of more of, like, the collective realization vibe. Um, yep. Like, right now, it's like, we still are, we're still so early, you yep. know? Like, people don't yep. understand the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum. People don't really understand what fiat is, yep. you know? I think 2032 is when we might start to see, like, fiat really unravel, and that becomes something that people, like, actually talk about and mm-hmm. think about. Yep. Um, oh, actually, good, good like, upcoming astrological event that people can use. January 21st, Mm. new moon in Aquarius Mm -hmm. at zero degrees of Aquarius, which is where Pluto is going to be transiting during Uh that like March to June time that I was talking about. If you have like uh, some like age of Aquarius ass vision Mm -hmm. of like something you want to bring into the world or that you want to see happen, like use January 21st, which is a Saturday I think we're posting this episode on Wednesday. It's not like the weekend after this episode, but the weekend after like next episode. Mm -hmm. So two weekends from now or whatever. Mm -hmm. Use Saturday to like manifest. So that can be like working on your, like you should work on ordinals on that Saturday. Okay. I'll put it, I'll put it in my my calendar. Put in your calendar, work on ordinals. Like something that like really embodies and manifests the thing that you want to see Mm, over the next like literal two decades. Like, from now until 2044, 
Like, what is it that you're trying to bring into the world that's like in the spirit of decentralization, in the spirit of like individuality, but still within a collective. So that can be like, like for me, I'm like meeting up with like a group of people that are like spiritual hoes and we're Mm -hmm. like doing Bitcoin astrology stuff, Mm -hmm. which is going to be very fun. Um, Like whatever it is that you're trying to bring into the world or that you're trying to connect to or like channel January 21st, Saturday, new moon in Aquarius. That's the time to like really set it in motion. And then when we're in like March to June, Mm -hmm. look back on like January 21st and like see how the recurring themes have come up. That's just like, I feel like for anyone who's interested in sort of like understanding how astrology can practically work in your life, Mm -hmm. like use January 21st, new moon in Aquarius intentionally. And then when we're in like the March to June period where it's all like the weirdness and craziness that I'm talking about, look back to that new moon and like see how the themes match up. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's a way for people to like understand like what are the themes of like Aquarius, like age of Aquarius stuff that we're Mm going to see. Like that's a way I think that people can actually connect it in their own head. Like how does that show up for me? How does that show up in the collective? What can I look forward to or be afraid for, Mm -hmm. for the next like two decades? Right. All right. That's my astrological advice. I think 20 January 21, I'll do some sort of inscriptions workshop. I'll get some like artists or something and we'll, We'll, yeah, we'll make some, make some. We'll, we'll do some inscribing. Yes, yes, I love that. <laughs> That's perfect. Speaking of inscriptions, yeah. uh, inscriptions workshop at uh, Bitcoin Park in uh, Nashville mm-hmm. in February as part of their free and open source software um, sort of theme that they're going that they that they have going on. Let me get the the date. Yeah, I got the date for everybody who wants to come to Nashville. Put a link in the description or whatever. There's going to be a um, BDK. Was, workshop was BDK. Uh, BDK is a, a Bitcoin wallet toolkit um, that lets people build uh, Bitcoin wallets in Rust. It has a lot of helpers for you to make a new wallet if you want to make a you know wallet. Uh, but yeah, and so there's going to be a BDK workshop on February 11th earlier in the day, and then February 11th, uh, 1:30 p.m. to 3:30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, at Bitcoin Park in Nashville, uh, I am going to be having a inscriptions workshop. Love that. Create some uh, some digital artifacts on the Bitcoin time chain. Yay! See, you're manifesting. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm manifesting. Yeah, you're manifesting like, there's hard. no mystery. I thought you could be a magician, Casey. You can be a magician. It's, it is. I actually, you know, it just like works its way into your life and like strange ways that you don't necessarily perceive well so when i was a kid i was very depressed very depressed little kid and i desperately very moody little kid mm-hmm. um and i desperately wanted magic to be real mm-hmm. because i saw it as like this um sort of escape from mundane reality you know like well if my my life's kind of shitty but if magic was real then shit i could be a wizard and that'd you're be like fucking i want awesome. my hogwarts letter yeah exa- yeah <laughs> desperately desperately um <laughs> And then, um, but when I became, when I started to learn programming, that was very much like discovering that you can be a wizard. It's true. You can influence things far away from you. You can create, uh, like sort of like, you know, in, in a sense you can, you can know things from very far away, which is very akin to, um, sort of a limited form of omniscience. Mm -hmm. You can affect things very far away, which is like a sort of like a form of telekinesis, you can create automated things that work on your behalf, even when you're not interacting with them, very much like creating a golem of some sorts. Uh, you can interact with sound and light and all these different things that 
you know, are, are normally the uh, the purview of uh, of, of spellcasting and witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin Damon. Yeah. Bitcoin D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, when I I, I I gave the one of the graduation speeches when the CS kids all graduated, it was like me and like three other kids from the CS department, and I actually uh, put on a wizard hat. Um, and gave the speech about how learning to program was like learning magic. See, how can you say that magic is dead in your heart? It's yeah, well, clearly it's, not. I did kind of discover it, yeah, uh, for you myself. Did. Yeah, and, and, and also I think inscriptions are, I don't know, I think there is something really quite magical about inscriptions. And I agree, I agree. I think magic is real. It just works. It still has rules and it's still a practice and it works in like, like I think people just think that they can be like, I do magic and like yeah. magic will happen. But yeah. I think it requires like, very intense intention and focus mm. to to work with magic yeah and sometimes the, the january way 21st baby january 21st yeah yeah um actually i did have a question that i was going to ask you in the beginning of the episode uh-huh. that i think suits now yeah um i want to know if i've influenced you as a person casey because you're a very like set in your ways like you do things <laughs> and so. you're yeah, like yeah, yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. this is what i do yeah. sunday is vape day <laughs> yeah. you know and I feel like I can definitely see, obviously, the influence you've had on my life, hence me fucking drooling on this <laughs> podcast. Like, yeah. But have I influenced you? Yeah, I think, um, like, just being more social and being, like, we, we have our little, like, you know, sort of Bitcoiner, like, friend group. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I'm normally the kind of person who would necessarily be good at, like, keeping up with people or, like, staying in a friend group. But because of knowing you and like having our Bitcoin friends and being like, no, I want to actively be in that group. I think it's made me more like social. Cute. Yeah. But I also think that probably ways in which you've influenced me are like not necessarily detectable. Like I think the other direction, like how I've influenced you, I think it's probably like in some like sort of obvious ways. Like I go like, oh, democracy is bad. Yeah. And I'm and like, then you're like, maybe democracy is bad. Yeah. And then you start like, holy shit, like I can't unsee it, you know? But then when you influence me, I think it's more of like a psyop that like I don't even notice. Yeah. And like things about me and my behavior just change. And like, I'm not necessarily even aware of mm-hmm. it. A woman's touch. Exactly. A woman's <laughs> touch. Exactly. Yeah. The feminine mystique. Feminine mystique. Yeah. Your feminine wiles. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just slowly changing things. Yeah. 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 Dark yoni energy. <laughs> exactly. My dark yoni energy being like, Casey, you work on inscriptions <laughs> on January 21st. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, should we end it? Yeah, let's call it. Let's fucking go. Next. Yeah, 2023. Let's fucking go. I mean, yeah. I think it's going to be a good year. As it's all be like, wacky. People are building in, on Bitcoin in the bear market, unabated. We're, building. We're yeah. building our podcast in the bear market. Building our podcast in the bear market. So when people start looking for Bitcoin podcasts, we're going to be established. And we're going to be know? established. Baby. OG status. Yeah. yeah. Um. Great. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see you guys next week. See everybody next time. Hi. Happy 2023.